Hi, this is Steve Hargadon, and it's Tuesday, April 21st, 2009, and this is the Future of Education. We have a very special show today. Uh, joining us are Chad Wick and Andrea Severi, who are responsible for the new KnowledgeWorks 2020 forecast, Creating the Future of Learning. This should be a very fun show. We appreciate your joining us. We know it's earlier in the day than normal. Uh, we are recording as well, and we'll post that recording for those to listen to. If this is your first time in the Illuminate environment, we want to make sure that you have a quick understanding of what to do. Uh, you can see at the top row of your screen are some icons. If the, if the um, guest asks a question and they'd like to get a response, we can actually do some polling and we'll tell you what buttons to click up there. But you can see there's a green check and a red X, typically for yes and no. Down at the bottom of your participant window, you've got a smiley face, a clapping hand, a confused, and a disapproval sign. Uh, please feel free to uh, indicate. Clapping is a good way to say you find something interesting or exciting. If when we go to questions and answers, you want to ask a question, you can use the larger icon with the hand and the green up arrow. And that lets us know that you'd like the microphone, and we'll give you the microphone to ask a question. Uh, you can send a messages in the chat window. That's another way to participate. If you have a question that occurs to you during the session, please feel free to leave it there. It does. Uh, you would think that by being able to send messages directly to other members uh, in the session that that would be private. Uh, but do know that the moderators see all messages. So uh, if you do send a private message to someone else, we actually do see it as moderators and want you to be surprised by that. Okay, so this is uh, very fun for me. I uh, am so appreciative of KnowledgeWorks sponsoring the Future of Education um, interview series. And this is an exciting uh, opportunity to learn more about KnowledgeWorks and the 2020 forecast. Um, Chad and Andrea, welcome. Hi, it's great to be here. Glad to be here. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Chad. Chad, can you tell us a little bit about what KnowledgeWorks is? Yes, Steve. We are a not-for-profit about 10 years old that is committed to education transformation in our work. We have mostly focused at the high school level, and we have a deep belief that public education is a, a, a wonderful institution that is to be nourished and cherished in our country. And yet we also believe deeply that uh, the institution that, that formed our public education system uh, needs to transform and deeply reflect uh, the, the future that is uh, illustrated in this discussion and in this map. So what exactly is the 2020 forecast? Well, the, the 2020 forecast is literally is a, a document uh, that reflects the major forces that are going to be shaping uh, our world of learning. And, and um, I think it is a forecast that we believe so represents so powerfully, um, well, I should say that it's an adaptation of of the proprietary work of the Institute for the Future in Palo Alto, a partner of ours. Um, IFTF produces their own proprietary map every year. 
that does look forward a decade. And uh, we asked them about four years ago to prepare a proprietary map that really looked at learning as a whole human area of focus. And so this is our second map. And, um, uh, and so it, it is an illustration that we believe begins to help create a mental model of what uh, the world of learning begins to look like. So what was special about the first map? And what kind of response did you get to that? And why have you now decided to create a second map? Well, the first map was initially created to help our own board of directors think about what we should be doing and in, in, in investing and in applying our own work uh, to make sure that public education was vibrant and met the needs of, of our country's citizens. And so we retained Institute for the Future to help us take a look at that. When we were captured by the power of the, the story that was in that map, you know, virtually every major systems change person in this, in the, I think, in the world would say we're in an apocal era, that this is a new time in the history of, of, of human society and, and what it really means now to have the end of cyberspace and, and truly be in a digital world uh, where the, I would say you might uh, call it, and, and I certainly don't mean to offend history here, but the, the second emancipation proclamation that the power of the individual can be so magnified in this world that uh, it just caused us to want to take the story to the broader public. So uh, in fact, as we began to uh, share the map, uh, the demand for it far outstretched anything we had ever expected. I think we literally printed and distributed around 50,000 plus copies. The government of Italy asked to printed in Italian, and, and I think we probably had another 50,000 downloads off our website. So it touched uh, literally uh, the full world, those interested in understanding how learning is becoming uh, um, a major human need. So we, we uh, then uh, felt that though that the story, the mental model, of when we talk about learning and the world of learning, moving from a world of schooling to a world of learning, there is such a, a, a need to create this mental model because people still process their view of education very much through old lenses and old understandings. And, and so because we mostly think in pictures, we believe we needed to create a literal picture that began to help people grasp what the new mental model was and see all of these forces and the context of the relationship of these many, many um, elements that, that are expressing um, the, the power of, uh, of collective intelligence. And so we decided to create uh, the 2020 forecast. So it occurs to me that our ability to meet together in this way uh, and to broadcast through the web is an, is an example of the very power you're talking about. 
Yeah, you know, I mean, if those of you, it's pretty esoteric reading, but Paulo Ferrer's Pedagogy of the Oppressed, it, it talked about the wisdom that, of course, you know, many, many that, that exists within individuals. And, uh, and so what being in the world that allows us to find each other is an amazing thing. And in fact, just what you're doing, it helps us develop our knowledge and understanding and give shape to the world of learning uh, that that will help, again, create the mental models that we need so, so that especially policymakers can begin to suspend their old views of the world and allow the, the new understanding to emerge and, and be acceptable. So, Chad, you're the founding uh, president and CEO of KnowledgeWorks, is that correct? Yes, I am. So, Andrea? Thanks for uh, giving yeah. us this. <laughs> <laughs> Andrea, what's been your role? Um, well, I was the lead researcher um, for both maps. Um, while I was at Institute for the Future, um, now I'm an independent consultant um, working in foresight and strategy around education and technologies of cooperation in digital media and urban resilience strategies. And so um, those are all areas that come together in this map. So um, I've basically led the, the content development of both the 2006 map and this 2009 map and has continued to work with KnowledgeWorks to bring it to, to this point. Okay, so I'd like to bring up both the website and the map. Is there one you'd prefer I bring up first? Uh, no, either, either one is fine. Okay, so let's bring up the website first. And maybe you can tell us um, what we're seeing here. Um, Are you well, seeing that I on believe, your screens? Yeah, the website. Um, and it actually might be better to do the, the, the do the map first. Um, because, and, and then I think after we can show the website for how people can get engaged. If that, uh, Chad, if that seems okay with you. That's great. Thank you. Okay. So what's the big story here? Yeah. Um, yeah, this is, this is a, a great image. I mean, for me, when I think about the map, uh, you know, there, first of all, there's a lot of content in the map. And when I stand back, you know, I, I go back to what Chad was saying, um, that one of the key pieces of the big story is that the, the drivers of change and the kind of 2020 landscape that the map shows really does support that we are moving from a world of schools, the, the institution of, of schools, to a world of learning. And in, in a way, we've, we're doing that in the health area. Uh, if you think about healthcare and how healthcare has shifted from a focus on the institution and the focus on the hospital to a whole culture and lifestyle of wellness and a healthy lifestyle and health choices, everyday choices being guided by a health filter, the same thing is happening in education 
we're moving to a world where the focus, I think, isn't on just schools and the institution, but all the ways that teaching and learning can be created and produced and shared, and all the ways that people can make cho everyday choices about learning. And so really moving to a world of learning and a world of personal relevance and personal fit in society and kind of personal development. And I think that's a huge uh, mental model kind of shift as, as, as Chad was, was talking about. So are there ways in which you would want to point out uh, that the map differs from the first map? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that there are a lot of uh, points that continue. Um, one of them that, that continues is in the first map, um, we talked a lot about grassroots economics of smart networking and how that was really creating this expanded learning economy, this um, world of, of um, kind of market-based market choices for learning, for open source open educational resources for this bottom-up creation of learning experiences. And I think that that has continued in the, in the new map. That's another story that runs through that um, we are seeing this expansion of the creation and production of learning um, spilling out from the schools, in fact, emerging in interesting ways in communities, in the home, um, in different kinds of institutions with different kinds of players. And I think that's where there is a lot of exciting experimentation and innovation. Chad, um, did you want to I chime think, in? Oh, and this is, sorry. Yeah, I was just going to, I don't know, I was going to say that uh, I think one, uh, one thing about the new map is that it's more hopeful and optimistic to me. When we did our first map, we uh, we were all kind of facing these, these these. There was a dark side to it from the standpoint of of uh, many social issues uh, that that reflect uh, a, a world that is urbanizing and and sort of swamping infrastructures and. And uh, we, it took us a while to to accept that and move past that to to the to the notion that uh, there still a, a, was a great story in it. In it, but this map I think is really hopeful because it does reflect, I believe, what you know some might call the information age or the the knowledge age or even the relationship age. I think it really speaks to the age of learning. And, and what's exciting, I think, is that uh, in, the, in the earlier map, it still was really playing out uh, the notion of, of um, uh, our society still being in very much moving from being a user society to a participating society where we were growing. It, the story was very clear that we're comfortable participating in the creation of things like eBay and Wikipedias. Uh, but in this map now, it's very clear that we're moving to having much more confidence in just participating and actually making. And, and, and so when enough people begin to find their, their own uh, uh, communities of, of makers that share 
points of view and and they energize that uh, they're going to really challenge institutions and such as public school institutions and and so how we deal with uh, keeping public school of institutions a vibrant place that innovate and provide all of our kids uh, learning opportunities uh, is going to be a big challenge to us. So part of what I think I'm hearing you both say is that the map is not necessarily a prediction as much as it is a way to start talking about fundamentally significant areas. That's right. That's right. Yes, I think that's correct. Go ahead, Chad. I think Andrea can speak to that that more about just what a forecast is. It's not a prediction, it's a forecast. And there's that's a real really defined term and I think she could uh, maybe clarify that better. Yeah, I mean I think you 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 started right out, Steve, that it, this is not a prediction. We're not saying that this is the way the world is going to look and this is the way that education is going to look. I think what the map is saying is here's a forecast of of six um, critical drivers of change that are really the convergence of several trends coming together and they're presenting us with, with choices, with sets of opportunities and challenges where we can make choices. And these drivers, as we look at them and ask ourselves, you know, what do they mean for us, um, we can start to see options and start to take action in the present. You know, we live in the present, not in the future, and so by by standing in the in the future, though, we can get a better sense of of what we need to do today and the kinds of choices we have and the kinds of actions that we can take. So this really is a a resource to catalyze discussion, to catalyze making choices and decisions, and to catalyze action. Andrea, did you go through the same? Uh, sort of process of, of feeling that the first, from the first map to the second map was a move toward optimism? Yeah, I do. And it's really interesting because the first map, um, you know, we, we did talk about things like um, the urban wilderness and the, the increasing um, uh, growth, rapid growth of cities and then the rise of megacities. I think in 2007 the world shifted from the majority of the population living in urban areas and so it was kind of a milestone. And what that really meant to live in an urban society, uh, we, we talked about the shift to chronic illness from acute illness and, and kind of signs of, of bio-distress and that, that there was really a sick herd and that health was really a pressing issue. Um, we also talked about the challenges of technology, the end of cyberspace and, you know, what that meant when we live in blended realities where digital and physical, uh, physical worlds start to integrate and, you know, we can move between these worlds and really conduct our lives. It, it's unsettling in a sense. Um, and then we also talked about a grassroots economy that, that, that uh, Chad was talking about earlier, this kind of bottom-up, open-source world of Wikipedia and eBay um, and, and smart networking where, where people can form groups and communities of action really easily with digital media and, and ex leverage their social networks. And so, 
you know, there was this sense of making and creating and participating, but also these really heavy challenges um, and kind of some scary things in the first map. And I think this map um, starts to look at the, the, the kind of options for making and the, the, the kind of smart optimism around, well, this is what we have. What can we do? You know, how can we amplify our organizations to make them smart, to develop collective wisdom, to really expand the boundaries of the school and of learning? You know, how can we infuse our systems with resilience so that they can regenerate and create new solutions? Um, you know, how can, in a new civic discourse, if you're looking on the, the page you have up, those are the six drivers right there, in a new civic discourse, it asks the question, you know, how can we use these new civic literacies of, of that, that we're seeing in participatory media where we can make things transparent, we can do bottom-up monitoring and, and, and expose and, and, and aware, make aware of what's going on in our communities. How can we do that to create new publics where we can discuss and debate our rights around learning and education and include more people in that discussion? Um, and, and then the maker economy, which is really the combination of, of that kind of smart networking and civic discourse and participatory activity with new, um, new technologies of production like 3D printing and um, computer-controlled lasers, which are basically the machine shop has become democratized. And so places like, um, like the tech shop, which is basically like a Kinko's machine shop where anyone can go in and learn how to make uh, artifacts, tools, components, um, jewelry, uh, a, a, a component for a, 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 you know, an air conditioner, little parts. So it's totally democratized production and given local communities this productive capacity to create their own solutions. Um, so, you know, those are just some examples of, of some of the drivers and how they're really, I think, moving us beyond the, the fear and, and some of the gloom to, no, we do have the tools and the capacity to, to create our new future of learning. And that's why this, I think, is a very exciting map. So that really resonates with me, and, and partly because I think in the last couple of years we've seen such uh, fascinating examples that are positive in the personal and the business worlds. Um, where, where this change has been really positive. Chad, do you expect that teachers or educators, those involved in education, are going to have to battle a little the, the fear associated with the change? And how can we help them see the optimism that you're seeing in the forecast? Well, I, that, that is uh, indeed a challenge. I mean, we're still <laughs> We're still trying to get teachers to grind up 10-year-old laminated lesson plans, you know. So uh, it, change is uh, it's relative, and in some cases, you know, change uh, we would think is pretty minor. It's major for for uh, those in our education system. But I I think that more and more we're seeing teachers come to respect the ability of 
of their students to co-create. And I think it's going to um, be somewhat of a, of a, of a relatively, um, I wouldn't call the change curve steep, but then I think we'll see a spike. I do believe that, that we're personally, I think there will be some kind of geometric recognition of what collective intelligence means both within teacher cores and, uh, and the notion that kids indeed uh, in a different form, for instance, uh, where kids learn together and, and uh, through project-based learning, for instance, and they're truly in a digital environment uh, that they can do amazing things and do them very, very quickly and, and co-create curriculum that uh, used to be, of course, very top-down. So I, I, it's going to be a while, but I think that we are uh, starting to see places and in, 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 uh, certain school environments where this is taking hold. Um, I, I think it also is we help the field by giving them a rationale to follow where they inherently see kids going. And, uh, and in the absence of a, 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 you know, a document like this map or the conversations that can be created by this map, it's hard for a teacher who wants to change their practice and really em, embrace the wisdom of their kids and see themselves as more of an expert learner than uh, being the, the proverbial sage on the stage that they'll feel way more empowered and able to step out and do that. That's why I think we'll we'll start to see more of a geometric change process um, as this is embraced in, in deeper conversations. And I think it also will help communities accept this new mental model of, of kids as co-creators of knowledge and not just passive recipients. Could I add something, Steve? Oh, absolutely. Yes, I just I, I really agree with what you're saying there, Chad. And the other thing it makes me think of is um, I think that this this map has the potential to to bring in other people into the discussion, and and also the um, the whole process that you were talking about project based learning and inquiry um, based learning and and using the the tools and and being more in the community. I think it has this potential to really open up learning and make it more visible so that the whole role and status of teachers and educators I think can be elevated and really become more visible and transparent in communities. And, and so the you know, possibility that learning can really take on this new role in communities because it's transparent, it's participative, it's collaborative, it brings in other kinds of learning agents in the communities. So, so teachers are at the forefront then of, of something that's very exciting and, and, and edgy, you know, with their students. So in a sense, you know, I see that positive side too. And while, you know, for many there may be uphill battles in their own schools and districts, I think there are so many other people that could be brought into this whole dynamic that that could really help. So that, that educators aren't alone, that there are other people now in the community with a stake in 
in all of this that, you know, they're not going to be building this new future world of learning on their own. It's not just educators. It's the people who are making the, the, the tech shops and the maker economy little fab labs and the, the civic spaces and, you know, so it's, it's I think, a, a more holistic uh, kind of um, endeavor here. So we're on page seven of the forecast. 7 of 10. Uh, Andrea, do you want to give a little bit of an overview of where people could go here? Uh, I'll, I'm just yeah. going to go back to the beginning pages to show everything that's here. And we've obviously gone to page 7 for a reason. But if we go to page 7, do you want to talk a little bit about the organization yeah. from here? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I did kind of jump into a lot of the content. And I think what would be helpful now is if I just explain kind of the main components of the content of the map. Um, as it's organized. So what you're looking at right now is, is the top part of the map, which has the six um, driving forces of change. And you know what the way we define driving forces of change is that these are major forces of transformation that we think are going to shape um, how we remake learning. And each of these is really a convergence of several trends into some kind of emerging idea or phenomena that we think is disruptive. Um, and that will probably challenge traditional narratives, challenge assumptions about learning. Um, and uh, the other thing about these six drivers is when you look at them, we realize that you know, this really is dramatic change because each one of these is really talking about a major disruption in a, in a core kind of relationship we have. Altered bodies is really the the relationship with ourselves and our whole bodies and our health and our body in place in our physical environment. The amplified organization is our relationship with people, how we come together and, and organize and create and collectively take action. And the platforms for resilience is our relationship to systems and the relationship of, of components in a system and how they can become more resilient and generative of new solutions. The civic discourse is our relationship with society is changing. The digital media, participatory media, is completely changing the possibilities for how an individual and how groups can form and, and change the public space and create multiple public spaces. The maker economy is about the, the, the changing relationships in, in production and microeconomies and local economies vis-a-vis -vis regional and global economies. And, and I think the local agency that individual communities could gain um, in maker economies. And then pattern recognition is our whole relationship to knowledge and data. With all these tools we have and the sensors and sensor networks, we're generating tons of data. And the challenge is really our relationship to, to that and how we extract meaning from it. So one of the big areas there are tools for visualization. This map is a tool for visualization, actually, how we can visualize complex data and information in a way that is easier to make sense and helps the human process of making better decisions. So those are all very fundamental relationships. And, and so those are the drivers, which if you want to get the top story of the map, kind of the big story, you might start up here at the top of the map and, and read those. Uh, those kind of taglines and the paragraphs that kind of tell the big story. And if you go to the middle of the map, 
which is, yeah. Those are the trends. So each one of those um, driving forces of change um, has a set of anywhere from three to five trends. And we define a trend as a distinct direction of change that points to some kind of new pattern or new behavior or new concept that will shape learning. And so here, these are individual um, trends um, that kind of uh, create that driver of change. And, and these are really interesting to look at. Whoops. Something just closed my, there we go. These are interested if you want a little more meat on the bones of those drivers of change. Well, exactly, exactly what, you know, how does altered bodies, uh, you know, work? What does that really mean? Oh, it's the intersection of this trend of bio-distress um, and, you know, enabled innovation or, um, you know, looking at amplified organization. Oh, I can, you know, I can see here that, there's a trend of open leadership being associated with that. So you get a little more flesh on, on the bones there. And then if you really like details and kind of concrete examples, the bottom level of the map there are signals. And signals are examples or early indicators of the changes that we talk about in the trends and the driving forces. So they're real examples or a data point or a project that we think is, is something that kind of gives a concrete example or, or an early idea of what this future idea, the future concept is. So we, we have, um, you know, for example, in amplified organizations, we have things like Moodle or DIG or the Flat Classroom Project as examples of amplification of a learning community or a classroom uh, to, to, to give some real detail. And so th that's the that's kind of the heart of the map. So if you like big big picture, big story, start from the top. And if you like details and specifics and kind of concrete stories, you might want to start from the bottom. So Chad, are there drivers or trends in the map that particularly uh, feel salient or important to you? I, I, yes, the one that in particular that I resonate to is the maker economy that um, is a continuation of, of this notion that we are growing past just participating to, to directly being involved in uh, not just our health well-being, but our intellectual well-being, that we're really assuming a much deeper ownership over our our need to know and that we are not depending on hierarchical institutions to create and define core knowledge but that we now have the tools and and more importantly now what this map would predict or forecast is that we have the confidence to uh, use those tools to meet our own needs so Again, so that it isn't just uh, assuming well-being for our physical selves, but also our intellectual selves. I think that that is, to me, one of the most powerful notions because then I also, if I have confidence in doing that, I have confidence in in being part of the new civic discourse. And um, and as an individual, then I can very much help amplify my school. 
and and in fact, I would want to emphasize we in no way are even even suggesting or implying that we don't have a need for schools. It's what happens when we organize ourselves into a learning environment that that creates uh, learning for everyone and respects everyone's individual needs and learning styles. And uh, and I think uh, how we then recognize patterns gets to how we then can begin to develop new forms of assessment of learning and, and get past the era when we tried to move uh, ourselves by high-stakes testing and um, measures of sort of minimum performance instead of seeking uh, to assess for uh, success in learning in every individual. I think pattern recognition will will have the tools to do that, and I think we'll have the confidence. And on the periphery, we're going to have people who are very comfortable with finding those patterns and and bringing them into the mainstream. That's a very exciting idea that we will not have to depend on hierarchically developed solutions to influence the system. The periphery is going to continue to evolve uh, phenomenal, I think, insights about how people learn and then how we can measure that. Uh, and that will hopefully move us into a far more productive way of, uh, of, of assessment. Andrea, what about you? What uh, what end up being your favorite things to think about? Yeah, I I uh, it, I like to to look at intersections across these drivers, which is another fun way to kind of engage with this. Is to you know pick one trend from one driver and one from another. And when I look at the map, I um, I also kind of look at you know maker economy with platforms for resilience and amplified organization together. And kind of piggybacking on Chad's comment, those are very powerful changes because as Chad is saying, they, they power up the periphery and they power up individuals. The capacity to form a group that can really take action and develop collective action, and this is some of this comes from Clay Shirky's book, Here Comes Everybody, which is one of the signals in um, uh, Platforms for Resilience. Um, what that tells me, you know, what, what Chad is telling me about having this data and being able to visualize it, and the amplified organizations saying, you know, you can amplify your individual and collective capacity to, to sense and make sense of data. And, 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 and your productive capacity to make things, is that the kind of local agency that I think could be unleashed by these forces is incredibly optimistic and positive in that it, it really could lead, I think, to a renaissance in how we think about learning and where and how it happens, what gets measured, you know, what we do with that data, how we can address individual um, issues around learning and individual needs. So I, what excites me about it is the tremendous amount of individual and kind of group agency that uh, we that we see in these forces as they come together to really to really make new in, quote unquote institutions uh, in entirely new ways. 
and, and really re remake the fabric of our of our society at the at the community level. And that to me that that is uh, inc incredibly important when you think about what Chad said at the very very beginning about you know we value public education but you know maybe the institution is to go as we know it and so the, the possibility for a, a really creative new public system of learning that is resilient and distributed and uh, kind of um, you know bottom up and in a way that really reflects the needs and the desires and the passions of, of local neighborhoods and communities um, that's a big transformation, and that really excites me to continue to work with this map. So interesting, from from both of your descriptions, feels like that flat classrooms project that Julie Lindsay and Vicki Davis do is kind of a great example of that, coming from within the public school tradition, but uh, being very much kind of proactively created and creating a whole new way of. Uh, accomplishing a certain form of education. Are either of you familiar it, with it, that? Yeah, yes, I am. In fact, it's one of our signals. Um, I think it's under probably amplified. Yeah, it's under amplified organization. That, that's a great example, Steve, because not only is that classroom being amplified, but other communities and parts of other communities are brought into that process. And by the fact that they use Web 2.0 tools, wikis and, and videos and blogs and, and all of that. What Chad was talking about, the sharing of, of knowledge to make, they're not keeping that innovation among themselves. They've unleashed that now to the world. And they've, you know, diffused that. So this, this our, our capacity to grow know-how and to share that kind of know-how that comes from you know, a local expert or some local artisan or creator or inventor is now open for everybody. So I can go say, wow, that looks really great, and I can create my own flat classroom project and innovate off of that and contribute it back into the, you know, back into the, the commons, as it were. And, and so th that's, a, that's a, a, a completely different basis for thinking about the, the both the creation and the uh, the creation of learning and the experience of learning, learning and, and how that gets shared. Are there specific ways that either of you would feel really gratified if the map were used to accomplish something specific? Are you hoping that people will get together and talk about the map? Are you hoping that there are going to be um, some kind of uh, outcomes? that you can measure and say, hey, I think we made a difference? Chad, I'll let you start on that one. Chad. Okay. Um, well, I, I would, in our old map, or in our old map, it's still very much alive <laughs> because of, of uh, we're, we're just in the middle of it. But it, it, it uh, made a highlight of the power of, uh, the, of our need to know and this, what we coined the term in there called a learning economy. And uh, how many people, of course, will respond to that. Economies create opportunities and, and, and are made up of, 
of, of individuals, whether they exploit it or use it, however, um, but there are many players that, that uh, and, and you know, in this country, the learning economy, the formal learning economy, uh, you know, it's, it does approach a trillion dollars. So there's a lot of resources. The whole media side of this is recognizing uh, the way people are going to learn and are starting to invest heavily in gaming and things like that. So what I am hoping, though, is that uh, we would begin to see the power of the individual emerge and not just the marketplace capture um, the, the re kind of defining of how learning shapes the system. That, uh, for instance, if any of you saw in the football playoffs, I know that's where I saw it, Kaplan began to run very, very high-end TV ads saying uh, that, that come to us that um, we, we uh, recognize the system has failed you. We want to respect each and every one of you as individual learners. We can help you assemble your learning better than if you go to the institution. And I appreciate that message very much, but I hope that it, that it isn't just the marketplace and our, our uh, way of organizing resources around making money that defines how this comes out. Um, and so if the map were to stimulate, and, and in the same way I talked about giving a, an individual teacher a sense that, boy, I'm, I'm really kind of authorized to act the way uh, this map is talking about, that more people on the periphery find each other and help to define the way the individual could learn um, and, and have a role in shaping that, uh, I would feel very gratified um, than, than just a new uh, marketplace solution kind of emerge because there's a lot of money to be made of people who need to know things, they're going to spend money, and, and you know, lo and behold, a big retail establishment now starts uh, creating new kinds of schools while you shop, come over here and learn. And uh, that could be part of it, but I would hope we can own that a lot more. Another, another way, and then I'll let Andrea uh, get in here, but I, is, is that we continue to spend a lot of, of money just on bricks and mortars in this country every year, something like $50 billion on new school buildings. And many of these school buildings are still being built on a pretty standard square foot student formula. And we're not thinking about a building that has to serve learners 50 years from now. And if this map could help people understand um, the, the, the way learning is going to influence the structure and, and uh, have them consider literal school design around these forces, I think we would feel that we've Im impacted that, that use of those resources uh, very positively. Andrea, I'll turn it over to you. Okay. Um, yeah, you know, one of the things that I think would be really exciting is um, to see a very bold innovation agenda, um, you know, come out 
from people who are uh, you know use this map if if through you know groups of people who are either within education or on the periphery or outside um, you know saw this map and started working with it and I would love to see someone take this and create a very bold agenda for how to innovate not just inside the system but outside the system to make um, a, a, a new world of learning. I mean, I think about people, there was just a, a, a story in our local paper, the San Francisco Chronicle, about someone who had never done one, one character of, of uh, programming in her life and started making iPhone, you know, applications. And um, I just think that the, the um, ability to see innovations in mobile technologies and applications to help people navigate the new learning economy, find new ways to get access to learning resources, understand choices around learning, um, how they can create their own kind of learning geography in their own community, um, experimenting with new kinds of services and, and new kinds of places for learning. I, I would love to see a bold innovation agenda and I, I would love to see communities use this map to think about how do we think about learning in our community, not just in our schools, but how do we design and plan the future of our community based on a learning lifestyle and a learning imperative. And to me that would be, um, you know, something that integrated health, you know, economics, you know, maker economy, learning, uh, technology, um, and would really be a, a kind of step forward, I think, in, in trying to get at a lot of issues that all impact learning. So the, the, I really enjoyed hearing both of those visions. Um, I think I'm going to do a little bit of a plug for the interview series right now because I think in some ways we do have some very fun topics coming up. We are definitely going to drill down on the different drivers in the map um, and have some very uh, exciting speakers who are going to help participate in that. Uh, Susan Patrick from the North American Council on Online Learning, Michael Horn, co-author of uh, Disrupting Class, Michael Wesch, who uh, is just this cultural anthropologist who's uh, gained such uh, fame and interest because of his uh, class and videos, uh, Chris Deedy from Harvard, John Seeley Brown uh, on innovation and, and tinkering in the maker economy, and then David Thornburg. So I was going to leave that for the end, but I thought I'd, I'd make a little bit of a plug now for that. Um, I think it might be good to take some questions. Uh, are Chad and Andrea, are you both comfortable with uh, opening that up just for a bit? Sure. Sounds great. So if anybody has any questions, just either you can raise your hand using that hand um, icon with the green up arrow or you can you can post them in the chat um, and while you're doing that and while we're waiting for questions um, I'd be interested in um, making sure that people know how to get the map and I had put up the uh, website and I'm assuming that's the best place for people to go to actually pick up the map yeah I think on the yes and if there if there are groups that need hard copies, um, they can uh, 
they can go to the website and and, and we and get get uh, a request in for copies. Great, and we didn't really show much of the site, but here you can you can actually click on the the driver topics and drill down and learning more. It looks like a great uh, way to experience the map on the web. And then up at the top, you can see a get your copy link, which uh, asks you, I think, to log in to request a copy. And I believe also, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Chad, that on the website here, this isn't just a you view the map in a static way. That that it is, you can drill down, you know, through layers of the map, and that there are. Um, Spots here where, as, as there are articles and kind of things happen in the news and studies get released, that resources are are being kind of currently posted uh, by the drivers that they relate to. So it's it's kind of a living um, forum for engaging with these ideas. Yeah, very much so, and and blog opportunities. Um, we we will continue to hopefully, uh, you know, hope see it kind of become a wiki of sorts of conversations and additional uh, uh, ways people are perceiving the change. Okay, I'm going to close that down, and I'm actually going to open up the survey for uh, today's um, show. And if you are in the audience there and would be willing to fill this out, it's very helpful to us. We do want to encourage you to come back. We have some great shows coming up. And while that's going on, uh, if there are any questions, please feel free to put them in. In the meantime, uh, Chad and Andrea, any last words, anything you're hoping people will really take away from learning more about the, the uh, forecast today? Um, what? Well, to, to Go ahead, Andrea. Oh, I was just going to encourage people, uh, you know, to to really get the map and play with it. Um, it's it's not the, uh, the the future cast in concrete by any means. That this is a a document that a, a resource that's meant to be played with, shared, pointed to, you know, commented on, criticized. Um, it, it's it's meant to move people to try to make change, and so. Um, to to really use it and and reflect on how how it might create action you know in your own lives as educators administrators or policymakers whatever and and just to add on that uh, already from at least one experience it was it's a great way to have a community conversation. Because it does help create that mental model uh, of the various forces in a way that we can talk about it, and uh, some fascinating questions come up that people just otherwise probably couldn't get to in that way. And so, I, I too would really urge that it it be used to help organize discussions about recognizing that we're in an era where our kids have enormous ability to co-create their learning with us and let's take advantage of that and uh, and start the conversation about what is the system's implication from that belief. 
Okay, that was a uh, really a wonderful show for me. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit the clapping button here. Uh, I want to express <laughs> appreciation, Chad and Andrea, to both of you for taking the time and for providing this opportunity, uh, both today and in the map, to have these discussions. Uh, thanks to uh, KnowledgeWorks for sponsoring the Future of Education interview series. Thanks to Illuminate for providing the hosting. Thanks to Catherine, Colleen, and Jesse for doing the background work and getting everything set up. And thanks to those of you who have attended or are listening to the show uh, later. Uh, if you have any questions, please feel free to come on futureofeducation.com. I'm going to, uh, you can pull the um, survey web tour away to see the whiteboard. And if you do so, I'm going to make sure that you know to go to futureofeducation.com for the interview series and for KnowledgeWorks, futureofed.org or kwfdn.org. Again, thanks, uh, Chad, and thanks, Andrea. Well, thank you. Thank you, Steve.